Are you tired of losing sales? Do you wish you had proven strategies that would help you increase your sales today, not in three months? You could Google it, but Google is in the information business. And I am in the transformation business. Welcome, Welcome. to the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast, where we will share three actionable sales strategies that you can implement in your business today to increase your sales tomorrow. This includes tactics, tips, and techniques from industry experts, influencers, and sales pros to help you shorten your learning curve and increase your bottom line. The more sales strategies we simplify for you, the shorter your sales cycle and the more money in the bank. Now your host, 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 multi-award-winning sales expert and international speaker, Wesleyan Greer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Rebecca Roses. How are you? Fine, thank you. Awesome. Let me introduce you guys to Dr. Rebecca. She is the Vice President of Strategic Planning for TechSmart Chemicals in Galena Park, Texas. She was previously Vice President of R&D and the Technical Center Manager prior to her promotion in late 2018. She is a graduate of McKendry College where she obtained her Master's of Science in Physical Chemistry and she also obtained a PhD in Physical Chemistry from Texas A&M. During her studies, she was really smart because she was a Fulbright Scholar doing research at the University of Antwerp. Rebecca has been with Techsmark for almost two decades and has been a judge for the R&D 100 since 2014. She is a member of the Board of Association of Laboratory Managers and the chairman of the Houston Association chapter. So you're pretty smart. <laughs> you're smart. <laughs> oh my. Oh my, you're flattering me. <laughs> You've been with your company for two decades and I know that these days that's almost unheard of. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, that you had, the path that has gotten you to where you are today. Well, like you said, it's unheard of to be with the company for 20 years. Out of my, my PhD at A&M, I, I worked for, for Dow Chemical for three years. I started right into a lab position. And it's about, after three years at the company, Dow went through a downsizing. So I went, I had a short stint teaching, and then I went to a manufacturing position, which is a very different change from what I was doing. And I will say that if anybody gets the opportunity to do make a change from their previous job, it, it brings a lot to, gives you a lot of insight into another aspect of the company. I was there with Lonza for seven years until they closed that manufacturing site down, moved it to Europe. And then I started with Texmark in 2000. In fact, I stopped I left Lonzo's position finished on a Friday. I started work on a Monday with Techsmart. And Techsmart is, is unlike any other company I've ever worked for. It was a family company. The owner, David Smith, was an awesome gentleman. He has since passed, and the company is being run by his children and his wife. But it was, it was a family company, and we're less than 50 employees. So I started there as a research chemist and then worked into uh manager, which is something that a lot of times when you come in with a scientific background, you don't always have experience in terms of being a manager. But I learned a lot from my employees and learned a lot being a manager. And then eventually became vice president to manage not only the tech center, which handles quality, but also the research and development of the company as well. So I saw both sides of the process, taking things 
out of the pilot plant into production. And having worked at a manufacturing site for Lanza, that gave me a lot of insight. So I've been doing at that job for several years when uh, the my boss, who's the president of the company, walked in. He says, we have this position and your skill set looks like something you might be interested in. And it wasn't so much that it was, you know, my analytical chemistry or my physical chemistry or things like that. It was the skills because I was moving, the position was that of strategic planning. And that's more doing projections and developing strategy for company, which is more towards the finance side of the company. So that's how I ended up into the position where I'm at now. It was, you know, not so much had I done this before, but I had the skill sets to work at it. So it's like there's, a, I think there's a saying that St. Francis of Assisi has, you start by doing what's necessary, and then you do what's possible, and then suddenly you're doing the impossible. And it was, it was that. Awesome. So that's how I ended up there. Wow. So tell us about how does your position as a strategic planner, how does that factor into a sales department? How does what you do help the sales team grow? Well, what I do is I'm looking at projections. In other words, what sort of things do we have in terms of, of our feeds and how much do we have so that sales can project their sales and what we can in turn sell to our customers. And then also part of it is using sales, using what we bring in and analyzing the cost of the feedstocks because the cost of feedstocks are dependent on so many factors in the marketplace. A lot of it's... Um, prices of various commodities in the marketplace, and then use that to determine how much these are going to cost. And then we also take a look, how much can you sell? When can you sell it? And sort of lay those two over together. And then the other aspect, which is the financial aspect, is that the CFO who I work with also gets to see what it looks like in terms of revenue for the company. And mm -hmm. I work specifically on one of the product lines, which is our dicyclopinidine. So I spent a lot of time on that. And we also do a lot of projections and things. We're starting to look at other aspects of the products that we do make. So you're the person that salespeople either love or hate because you tell them if they can discount or not, right? <laughs> well, I basically the way I take a look at my positions, I provide them with the best data that I can. Yep. And then it is up to the president, the CEOs, VP of sales and CFOs to make the best decisions. So I get, I put the best data on the table. So that way I stay out of the love-hate relationship. <laughs> so they don't. But I think what a lot of salespeople don't realize, and I like to tell them this a lot, when you're out in the field and you're selling and you're, you're out there in front of customers and they're asking for discount, you always think about a top down, right? Oh, I can discount 20% or 30%. But as a, somebody in your position or the CEO or the VP of sales, they look bottom up, right? What margin is acceptable? And so sometimes those things don't need. And what I think that we need to better educate salespeople is when I say, no, we can't discount more than 10%, this is why. Right, like you were mentioning, the feedstock have to, we have. What are the feedstock prices? If it's Q1 versus Q4, that might be completely different. So I think that that is definitely an interesting dynamic. It is, and I take a look at margins for for some particular product lines every month. So I'm updating, and the thing about it is that margins for material sold is based on material purchased the prior month. So there's a sense of time that factors into that, and we have a very good. VP of sales and he likes looking at the numbers and he's able to, he's quite a negotiator when it comes to 
prices and things like that. So he's done a lot of good things for us. Okay. Okay. That's good. So you work hand in hand with the VP of sales. That's amazing. So why don't you tell us about some of the challenges that you have in your job, just in terms of sales, right? Like, so in terms of, is it interacting with salespeople? Is it the kind of selling economic climates? What are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced? Well, this has been a strange year because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and the price of some of the commodities has done unheard of things. So it challenges the models and the projection models that you develop. The other thing is that one of the things TechSmart prides themselves on is being flexible. And what is said in the, in, the, um, in the company is everything turns on a phone call. You get a phone call, customer says he's got to have something. So things start to move very quickly. And we ship not only by truck, we ship by rail, and we ship by uh, bulk through uh, Kinder Morgan Terminal over water. So we have several types of transportation. So lots of moving parts and things change, as I can expect for uh, feedstocks. The weather plays a part. If we're receiving feedstock coming in by bulk, uh, you hope the weather stays good. There's no fog on the channel, so you can get your material in. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the freeze hampered our ability to manufacture. We didn't have any serious damage, but uh, you obviously you couldn't get trucks in, you couldn't get trucks out. So mm-hmm. we were constant, you know, dealing with our suppliers, dealing with our customers. You know, they're asking, when do you think you'll be open? And you have to tell them, and then you have to work with your carriers who are the railroad, the truck carriers, when they can get trucks in, trucks out and things like that. So it's communication is a big part of what goes on in terms of sales and just everybody's keeping everybody informed is an important part of our job. And it's a challenge, it's a challenge every day because you don't know what's going to change in a day. Somebody may not be able to get in and pick up a truck. Okay. Or it may be an issue with a rail car, or like I said, the weather may delay bulk shipments coming in for feedstock. Other times it's, you know, somebody calls up and says, Hey, I need something. I'm going to be out if I don't get it. So you do what you can to help people out. So it's one of the things TechSmart prides itself on is being able, customer service, being able to, when somebody needs something, be able to hand, get that to them. And our logistics people, our salespeople do a wonderful job of, of doing it. But, you know, the phone call does happen. And, you know, three o'clock on a Friday afternoon is when it usually does sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's always at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that one big takeaway is that there are so many things that are out of your control as a salesperson. And I know a lot of times salespeople, they have to be that face of the customer, if you will. And so when these delays happen, they're always like, well, how do I explain it? And so, you know, you just gave some great tips, right? Like, hey, if we have to ship it by boat versus by rail car or truckload, right, that impacts delivery time. And if there is a worldwide pandemic or if there's a freeze or if there's a hurricane right there's nothing we can't really impact those things so yeah those are all things that salespeople have to think about so as you think about um some of the things that you are most proud of or a success story that you could share with us so why don't you share one of those with us okay well one of the things we brought to the company is something we call enterprise resource planning and what we use that for is to plan our inbound feedstocks 
our outbound shipments and to discern how much revenue we have and you know keep up with the inventory so that we know we have enough material to ship and also schedule our manpower because the important aspect of all of this is that operations production has to produces so that the shipments the materials in the tanks so that you can ship so mm -hmm. it starts you know with receipts but once it's in the tank then it's operations production everybody from the time they run the molecules through the through the plant to when it goes out the hoses into the trucks the rail cars wherever and so what we did is we started out with a concept and i have to say that concept has grown as we've learned things we put in things to alert us if the feed is you know we're getting too much feed or alert us if we're getting too low alert us if we're getting too high in one of our product tanks and those things don't always happen initially they're not things you think of right off the first first thing when you're designing you learn it as you grow and then you add detail to the system and what it's done is it's been able to make us look out and do our feedstock planning six months nine months uh right now the current version of the erp runs out through the end of september which is wow. when we first started was a long way and it's it's day by day by day so you have to put in the rates you have to take a look at what you're going to receive and project, you know, from the sales forecasting, how much am I going to sell mm -hmm. on a monthly basis? Mm -hmm. And with some of our products being somewhat seasonal, then, you know, you have to, you know, the ebb and flow of how that's going to do. So mm -hmm. it's, they like to call it the gold standard, but it relies on a lot of input from logistics, from sales, mm -hmm. um, from finance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what did we get? What shipped? What came in? And mm -hmm. it's I do two updates a day. So I come mm. in in the morning. I sit down about seven thirty, and I'm starting to look at receipts mm -hmm. from the previous day, and I look at things that things are shipments. So mm -hmm. I still have access, and I look at you know the certificates of analysis. So whenever certificate analysis is issued, then I know something was shipped. Mm. And so it's it's a level of communication and planning that I think. We're, in fact, we're getting ready to try to extend it to another one of our product lines. And okay. it's been good for us because we can look out into the future and see see what our needs are and how best we can supply our customers. And that, I think, is going to make us even better at supporting our customers and also better communication with our suppliers. So mm. it, it's that one. It's been something I had ex exposure to it back in my Lanza days. And mm -hmm. that was when Lanza was adopting SAP. And we, our version is more, it's on an Excel platform, but it's okay. still, the essence is still there. You know, what comes in, what goes out and, you know, what's the impact long-term and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, it has been a pleasure chatting with you and really learning more about the role that you play within companies to help people increase their sales and, you know, really work through some of these things that we don't think about these processes and procedures and streamlining things. Um, what is the one best way for people to get in contact with you if they have questions or want to connect with you? My email, it's rroses at textmark.com. Okay. And, um, you know, if you put something in the, in the subject line, say, you know, questions about the podcast, that way I, I'll, I'll know what they're looking for. Okay. Awesome. So you won't turn them away and say, oh, that's BAM. Oh, yeah, you won't get put away this way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. 
And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.